Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today on today's show, we have a great guy. His name is called Matthew Pollard. He is Australian and living in the United States. And we'll talk about that very shortly. He's called The Real Deal by Forbes magazine. And you're probably thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. He's the best-selling author of a book called The Introvert's Edge. Basically, when it came out, it hit the number eight spot as the uh, as as the number eight most sold book in that particular week, he's been responsible for five multi million dollar deals before the age of thirty. By the way, his second book, which came out this year in twenty twenty one, called "The Introvert's Edge to Networking," and he's had endorsements from Princeton, uh, Harvard, Michael Gerber, our good friend, of course, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, and Ivan Meiser from uh, BNI. So Matthew, welcome to the show. Mate, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it. I'm interesting. You know, it's, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I was on Clubhouse. We were talking about um, introverts, actually. It was kind of a networking session facilitated by a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you what, the conversations were fascinating off the back of that. I'm not much of an introvert myself, but I'm always interested. I, I, I have a deep fascination into human psychology, Matt. And um, I just love to know how people are wired and what people and what makes people tick. But um, from your perspective, just out of curiosity, um, let's kind of set the scene here. Let's get a definition and find out the real differences. Uh, what are introverts and what are extroverts? You know, I think people overcomplicate it dramatically. And I, I, th I think that's because there's been so many research grants that they've had to come up with ways to make it more complicated, right? <laughs> I think that 
the thing is that if we bring it back to its absolute base term, its simplest term, because we can get into highly sensitive, shy or not shy, but in truth, to me, an introvert is just this, where you draw your energy from. For instance, you and I, if we both go and speak from stage, people might think I'm extroverted because in truth, people project extroversion on anyone they see as successful. Like Ivan Meisner, personal friend of, of ours, he is an introvert, right? But most people would think, well, the founder of BNI, the world's largest networking group in the world, has to be an extrovert, not so. And even I do it sometimes. I see these amazing speakers get on stage. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was as, as dynamic as them. Even though, you know, Marshall Goldsmith's um, group of, you know, top 30 sales professionals list me as the number three guru in the world for sales professionals. You know, even though I'm listed as one of the top 10 sales trainers in the world, I still project extroversion on other people. So don't feel bad if you've done that in the past. But know that successful people, even like Zig Ziglar, right. can be introverted. So what I really want people to understand is that if you understand it as where you draw your energy from, then it makes it so much simpler. It means that you can succeed in networking, in sales, in pre presenting, in leadership. It just means that those kind of activities deplete you. Now with a great system, that doesn't mean that it will still deplete you, just not as much. But an extrovert will go to a networking event and right afterwards, they're the one suggesting that they go out to the bar afterwards or they go to another event. An introvert, at the end of that event should be done and want to go back home for me i know that when i do, do finish this podcast interview you know all podcast interviews really i like I, I need downtime i need time where i do not talk to anyone but the average extrovert will say oh no i'm going to do back-to-back -back interviews well for me i love doing back-to-back -back because after doing an interview like this there is no way i'm going to be able to do any creative work my brain is going to be dead However, I still need to factor in little breaks between each interview because mm. I know that as an introvert, I need to manage my energy. Interesting, really interesting. Um, I wanted to, because uh, I mean, you, you're you an introvert, right? You'd say you're an introvert, right? I'm kind of more Absolutely. than an introvert. So from a physiological perspective, right? How, from your, from your uh, and you know, without kind of, and, and I'm sure there's probably some doctors listening in here anyway, but I wanted to find out how introverts and extroverts, how they're wired differently. Uh, is it, is it, are there physiological uh, neuropathways happening? Is it, is there something, I mean, love to know more about that. What have you found in your research? We are just more receptive to stimulus. That's really what it is. Mm. So for us, we find external stimulus exhausting because we feel it and resonate. Also, we're inward thinkers, which what that means is that when we're in an event, we're constantly thinking and interpreting. You know, for instance, you, you know, when you go to a networking event, if you're more extroverted, you're just gonna be more in the moment. You're gonna be mm -hmm. physically there and present. For an introvert, especially if we don't have a system, a lot of the times we're, we're thinking about all the different options, we're, we're overthinking. It's why introverts struggle with Zoom interviews. Cause right now I'm like, what are your legs doing? What are your arms doing? I can't see all this, it's driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, introverts, we are a lot more in tune because we have high empathy by nature. We actively listen, but we also look for, for, for cues that allow us to see whether we're fostering. It's why introverts foster such greater relationships with people. Extroverts have a lot of broad relationships. Introverts tend to have smaller numbers of deeper relationships. Now, that's only because they don't put themselves in situations to foster more relationships. Otherwise, they'd have more relationships and deeper ones, which is why introverts, I believe, make better networkers. But going back to, to your point,
point about what the physiological differences are. It really is that we are much more sensitive to external stimuli and we're much more actively contemplating what's actually happening. It's why introverts often get stuck in their head when somebody says a funny joke or says something and all of a sudden we don't comment and we go back and we beat ourselves up about it later. But the reason why we don't is, well, like, oh, I could say this, I could say this, I could say this, I could say this. You, Adam, will just say whatever comes to your mind first. We have seven, eight, ten different options. And because of that, we almost get into this paralysis that causes us not to act. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess my, um, I'm fascinated. I'm sure our listeners are fascinating. How did you like, I mean, you've had a lot of successes in your business career, right? Like, when did you kind of came to this realization that you thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book about this? Or was it, was there like an experience that, that hit you in the face one day and you're like, oh my God, I need to write a book about this. Oh my God. I'd, I'd love to know more about how you came into this industry of kind of micro niching and get this message out about helping introverted people more specifically with business and life. You know, it's an interesting question. And when you say, was it one thing that kind of hit me over the head? No, I would say it was a lot of things hitting me over the head over a long period of time. And it started hitting me over the head with it much more frequently in greater succession to the point that I went, you know what? Okay, I'll let the universe let me do this. Uh, <laughs> but what really happened is, you know, so my backstory is, you know, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school, horrible acne. I, you know, and because of my reading issues, my acne, my braces, I kind of grew up feeling like I was the slow kid that was uncomfortable around other people. Mm. And what happened was eventually I got to the point where I lost my job just before Christmas and I, there were no jobs available. I mean, Australia, you know, we take summer break and Christmas break at the same time. So you're basically taking a month off. The only jobs you could get were commission-only sales roles. Right. And literally my backstory was it was 93 doors before my first sale after five days of product training and not a single second of sales training. And then I got, you know, I, I taught myself how to sell by watching YouTube videos and understanding it as a system. And, you know, I got promoted seven times in the space of 12 months after becoming the number one salesperson in the company. Then, you know, fast forward just shy of a decade, I was responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. Now, when I moved to the United States, I made the decision that what I wanted to teach people was what I called the three steps to rapid growth. Because what I realized is the average functional provider spends their life getting better at their functional skill, but often because they don't understand how to differentiate, how to niche, and how to create a sales system, they end up in this constant cycle of hustling to find interested prospects, trying to set themselves apart and try and make the sale. And they get their mindset into the place that people think that they only care about one thing, price. And it's because of the way that they're communicating it. So I started speaking from stage really as a process of getting clients, but I talk about differentiation and then I talk about niche marketing. And before I got into sales, I started to share with people my personal story because I found that by the end of part two of the, the journey, people looking at me going, this guy's a whiz kid. He's probably never had a struggle in his life. What's he gonna teach me about, about sales? So I'd share my own personal story right to the point where I put this terrible photo of me with acne at my sister's wedding and talk about how <laughs> embarrassing that was. <laughs> It, it's just, you know, for me, I feel like you've got to be real. Introverts, especially, if we're not authentic, we really cannot communicate. Mm. And that, that's one of the big things I find a lot of introverts try to be more extroverted. And that is just a recipe for failure. We can't learn to be more extroverted. It, may, it depletes our energy and we find it very incongruent. So we have to learn to be the best version of ourselves in an authentic way. And for me, sharing that story 
That was my authentic way of saying, hey, you know, because you can brag, you say, hey, look at me, I'm a big shot. But in truth, telling people that you succeeded after really, you know, bring yourself down a peg and bringing people down, bringing yourself down to everybody else's level, probably miles below their level, really mm -hmm. made a substantial impact. And what I found is people kept coming up to me after my presentation. They're like, wow, your presentation, you really, I understand what you're doing, but forget all that for a second. What I'm really focused on is I never knew as an introvert that I could sell. I always thought I had to have gift of gab and you're telling me that I can through a sales system. It was my personal story of overcoming sales as an introvert. And in truth, that's not what I tell people. You don't overcome sales as an introvert. You're not poor you, you're an introvert. Let me show you how to survive in an extrovert world. I was saying as an introvert, I had an edge, I had an advantage over everybody else. And what was interesting is people kept coming up and telling me that. And so I started reaching out to every sales influencer that I knew saying somebody needs to write a book on introverted selling. And I mean, let's be honest, Jeb Blunt's an introvert, Zig Ziglar's an introvert, Paul Smith's an introvert. There's a ton of them that are introverts, but everyone that I spoke to was, you know, and I didn't know some of these people back then, you know, I, my, my network was much, much smaller. But what I, I, would, I would hear back from a lot of them is, Matt, no one's going to buy a book on introverted selling. No one. And I'm like, well, firstly, I understand niching. And how can there be thousands of books for extroverts and not a single one for introverts, but no one will buy it? Right. But, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school. There was no way I wanted to write a book. So what actually happened was that I worked with a ghostwriter, a guy called Derek Lewis, and he was a client of mine and I took him from making no money at all. I mean, he made $27,000 in 2013, 12,000 by October, 2014. And because we built in a strong message and niche in a sales system, literally he went to, I mean, he made 80,000 in six weeks, 120 by the end of the year, just shy of 300,000 the following year. And he's like, Matt, you've got to put these ideas into a book. And I'm like, you know what? This guy's a walking case study. He's a ghostwriter. Sure, let's do it. Uh, which wasn't easy. I mean, I have to listen to every chapter with a robot voice. He'd send me 5,000 words of, no of chapter. I'd send him 5,000 words of notes. If I had knew what I was getting into, I probably wouldn't have done it. And I'm crazy for doing it again with the Introvert's Edge to networking. But I mean, the book sold over 43,000 copies now, being translated in more than 10 languages. And it's just helped so many people. It's just rated by book authorities, the number two book ever written for introverts, which has been great to see. And you know, one thing that I'm really pr proud of of what I've seen with this book is it really helps introverts realize that they're, they're not second-class citizens. Their path to success is just different and that's okay. They just need to find that method that'll allow them, the system that'll allow them to sidestep their, what they would consider shortcomings and really take advantage of their, their natural edge, which is a lot of times empathy, active listening and practice and preparation is a huge one. Love it, very cool. Um, and this, will, I suppose, from personal experience, you know, and dealing with um, people that, you know, in the corporate world and some of your clients, how do you think, how do you think introverts self-sabotage themselves time and time again? What patterns have you found uh, personally and, and kind of down there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, well I, can, I can tell you that the number one issue yeah. is that no one else is in our way. We're in our way first. Now, sure, yeah. we can say that, oh, HR directors don't give us enough opportunity. In yeah. truth, you know, my first, I, literally when I got my first commission-only sales job, I, you know, I actually got offered three jobs at the same time. And I was kind of, I had a bit of an ego about myself when I walked in, even though I really didn't think I should be in sales. And I was kind of terrified of my own shadow. I'm like, well, three people offered me jobs. Maybe I can succeed. And then my manager put that to bed really quickly. He goes, mate, we just hire everyone. We've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall and we see what sticks. 
And, you know, fun saying until you realize you're the mud, right? But literally my manager gave me no training. I got literally thrown on this road and realized that no one taught me how to sell. I took a deep breath. I walked in, I was politely told to leave. Then I was sworn at, then I was told to get a real job. And literally 18 of my training group of 20 people quit by the next day. I mean, if I could say, oh, my manager didn't give me enough. They didn't spend enough time with me. No, if it wasn't for me deciding that I needed to learn the skill set around becoming a great salesperson. If I didn't take responsibility, I would have either grinded it out and hustled through it every day, which wasn't ideal. I mean, I would have probably made the next sale in 102 doors, then 85, then 107, right? Relying on lady luck to get me in front of the right customer, perhaps, or just giving up. So for me, it was... Introverts, a lot of times are like, oh, my boss doesn't notice me. Well, the people that they notice whether they're extroverted and they're just loud. Well, in truth, you don't have to be the loudest to be noticed. A lot of times leaders are like, you know what? That introverted person, Matthew, every time I speak to him, he's got such an amazing idea. So in the meeting, they'll say, Matthew, do you have any great ideas about this topic? And Matthew will be sitting there going, I, I don't know. And then tomorrow they'll come back and say, you know, I reflected on what you said. And I actually have some great ideas about the way we could handle this. And the manager's like, oh my gosh, I asked you yesterday. We've now applied the idea the best we could get in the room. And now I'm going to know you had a better idea. Why didn't you bring it up? Now, in truth, they could have brought it up if they were given an agenda. So we can blame the manager and say, why didn't you have an agenda and why didn't Adam, why didn't you send me an agenda of what we're going to be covering and let me know that there's a question you're going to ask me. Then I could have come prepared. However, I also could have sent you an email saying, Adam, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's meeting. Just so I come prepared, is there any specific topics you're going to be discussing and anything you'd want direct feedback from me on so that I can do my research and be ready for the meeting right now? Obviously, a manager would appreciate that. Now, a bad manager might say, well, Matt, I don't really have time to communicate. That's what the meeting's for. <laughs> However, I might then respond with, well, Adam, I'm an introvert. So a lot of the things that I do is based, a lot of the, the great ideas that I have come from reflective thought. So it's really helpful for me. Otherwise, please don't ask me a, a direct question in the meeting. Be ready for direct feedback the following day or maybe in the next follow-up meeting. So mm -hmm. I can educate my extroverted manager. So again, take responsibility. I can realize as an introvert that I can sell and go about learning a system to do that. Assist now, don't learn a system off an extrovert in truth. Now there are a ton of extroverted sales trainers and introverted sales trainers. There are a ton of introverted and extroverted networking trainers. And I'm a big believer that an introvert can't follow an extrovert that says it's easy, you just do this because it ain't easy for us. But an introvert will say system and process and system and process will always win out over an extroverts, just winging it process. And that's why some of the best extroverted sales trainers like Brian Tracy, like Jeffrey Gittemore, they still say the best sales performers have a planned presentation. Now, if we look at introverts ourselves, what do we have to do? How do we get in our own way? I believe that it's because we bought into this myth that we have to have the gift of gab. Now, if you truly believe that you cannot succeed, why would you ever put any effort into anything, right? It's no point if you've got, you've got a guaranteed fail, if you know you're always gonna come in last on the marathon, why would you train for it? Now, for me, what I realized is as soon as I embraced that my path to success was just different and I had to train differently, all of a sudden that was liberating. There was no glass ceiling, if you like, or wall that I, had to, uh, that I couldn't get past. It was an open playing field. It's just like some people that are running 
that have long legs have to train different to ones that have got short legs. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a high jump, you've got to train differently if you've got a different build. And I found that I had to train differently because I was an introvert. If we can just stop getting in our own way, then the world opens up for us. And I'm not going to say it's easy because I always see there's this guy I saw speak from stage just recently, um, Dan Walshman. He's a phenomenal speaker. And I went in my head, I went, wow, he's an amazing extroverted speaker. I wish I could speak like him. Right. And then he came back afterwards and we got a conversation and he wished he could speak like me. And we had a whole dialogue. It's just a different <laughs> skill set. And we have different stage presences. And we always want what we don't have, right? But also, he was an introvert too. So we have to stop projecting extroversion on everyone we see. When people are in conversations with me, even after these interviews, half the hosts go, Matt, there's no way you're an introvert. And I'm like, really? Because introverts are supposed to live under a bridge, never talking to anyone? Come on. <laughs> it's not that. It's just after this, because of the amount of energy and focus I put into it, I'm just exhausted. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fascinating, actually. Um, you know, I... From from my perspective, and this I just had a kind of a, an epiphany here. Actually, did you ever? Do you ever? What do you think that introverts have over extroverts? Because we always talk about what in, extra introverts don't have, but what do you think they do have over extroverts? Well, you know, I'm not going to. So I need to preface this by saying. I'm not extrovert, extrovert bashing by any means. But some might say- <laughs> This is well, not the extrovert yeah. bashing show. <laughs> it is not. And, and the reason why I bring that up is so many people, they're like, you know, you've got to be careful. Like, and I see some introverts, they slam extroverts in their social posts and mm. they tag me on it. Like it's going to be something that I agree with. The truth is I'm supporting, I believe an underserved community that have been used to feeling like second class citizens. Now in truth, you, you know, I mean, when we, I mean, there was, I mean, gender equality is a, is a, is a great example. I mean, yeah. we still have a long way to go with full gender equality, but I mean, you can say men are terrible people, or <laughs> you can say females are equal and here's the skill sets we need to have. It's the same with introversion, right? Nobody is at a disadvantage. In my mind, every person is equal in every way, shape or form, because we always have advantages. We always have disadvantages. And as soon as we embrace that, it's okay. Now, for me, when I look at extroverts, some might say they're not the best listeners in the world. Some might say that they aren't perhaps the best at empathy and they tend to like to wing things. So even if they're given a planned process for selling or networking, they tend to gravitate towards winging things because gosh, they can just do it. And go I wish I could do that, right? Sure. So I can imagine why they would feel that, you know, it's a great thing for them to just do, even though planning always works. And here's the thing though, I find that extroverts, if an HR department recognizes that the per they've got a leader or a sales manager that isn't the most empathetic, they're gonna send them to emotional intelligence training. If they see them, they're not actively listening, they're gonna go, okay, we'll send you to active listening coaching uh, or you know, well, leadership coaching to help you develop that skill. Now, if we find that they're not planning or preparing, we might sit down and say, you know what, you're always winging things and I think you need to spend more attention to doing some pre-planning. We might send them to a prioritization workshop. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing I find with introverts. First thing is our biggest disadvantage is that both HR and ourselves believe that there is no path to success. 
in, in, these, in these stepping stones. So we are amazing listeners. If we wanna focus on advantages, we are amazing listeners just naturally. Sometimes to our fault, we are so empathetic. We get so focused on someone else. We get into a networking event and we'll ask them questions, we'll offer them guidance and we'll get to the end and the person's like blown away because they've just op you just opened up the fire hose of information. And they're like, well, thank you so much, but they're never gonna hire you, right? Because you've got into that zone. So some of the things that I find that introverts are amazing at, yes, we listen, yes, we empathize well, but gosh, if we are able to tap into our passion and truly feel like we're helping someone, we can create this environment that's second to none. I mean, when we sit and we realize that somebody needs help with something that we know well, we open up and we give. Now that needs to be controlled because sometimes we can be overly jargon focused and that can be to our detriment mm. but we give and people can see that we give with our heart and soul so a lot of times when you have a conversation without education an extrovert can come up across as looking transactional like they're in it for a deal or and that's why a lot of extroverts have lots of shallow relationships for an introvert our true advantage is we know how to take a relationship and make it one of the deepest relationships they've ever experienced mm. and we can do that with anyone that we meet, that we feel like they see us for our true selves. Mm. I find that as soon as we overcome that hurdle of articulating who we are and what our true selves are, because that's what we always struggle with. We always get tongue-tied at the initial part of the conversation or when right. we first meet someone. As soon as we can do that at scale like extroverts can, which is actually incredibly easy with planning and preparation, all of our advantages. I mean, we rank we reign supreme when it comes to networking, sales, and leadership because all the extroverted tendencies that we don't have, well, actually, we can train to learn them to do it our way, not by being more extroverted, but learning to be better versions of ourselves. Mm. But then we get to channel these amazing strengths, which, in truth, extroverts have to re work really hard to duplicate. They can, but it takes a lot of time. Where's uh, with regard? I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and she's an, she's an introvert, big introvert, uh, Matt. And um, she feels like being an introvert, she has this like disability or a handicap, right? And she's a, like, you've kind of followed a disadvantage or whatever it is, because people misunderstood or misunderstand what she's about. But do you also feel like it's also a mindset so if you feel like you're kind of this victim mentality that, you know, people are never going to understand me uh, and things like that, um, do you feel like from your perspective, being an introvert, do you feel like that also plays an important role in, in, in terms of understanding and getting your message out with regards to what you want to do? You know, it's interesting. I think mindset is everything when it comes to, I mean, when you think about well, any success factor, whether it's extroverted or introverted, it always comes to, you know, what we think is what we end up in. I mean, there's an NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming Statement of um, perception is projection. We mm -hmm. create our own worlds in a lot of ways. And I think that one of the big hurdles, you're right, is that, you know, that introverts, we see what we want to see and we create this world. And, you know, there's some science behind that, you know, stories, which are the stories we tell ourselves, short circuit the logical mind and would speak directly to the emotional mind. So because of that, you know, we've got to be careful about the stories we tell ourselves because we hear them over the logical truth now that perhaps it's not true. Now, in truth, it's really interesting. So Susan Cain is probably the reason why introverted literature really took off. You know, I'd like to think that my, my books have really provided tactical strategies to succeed as an introvert. But what was interesting is if you read the word, uh, the book quiet, it was really interesting how many people read that and went, you're right, I'm an introvert 
And I should be proud of that. It's okay to be a coder or a writer. There's no disadvantage there, but this is who I am. So I'm allowed to have that shield, which if you go on Instagram and search, you know, introvert hashtag, there's all these get away from me. I'm an introvert. I don't want to talk to you kind of memes that introverts have created. But this is the interesting thing. Susan Cain talks about in her book that she was a negotiator. She talked about the fact that introverts can sell. And in truth, all the books that came after that that I saw come out were all, poor you, you're an introvert, let me show you how to survive in an extroverted world. And that got so frustrating for me because in truth, I think that introverts are amazing at all of these so-called extroverted arenas. And I call them so-called because I think introverts dominate in all of them. It's like, it's like we have superpowers and everybody has been hiding it from us since birth. And it's like this mass story that we're not allowed to tell. But to me, I think that mindset is everything because as soon as we realize that we have some disadvantages, sure, but we can systemize those out, we can channel these amazing strengths. But in truth, if we don't know that we can and we don't put in the effort, we're always going to fail. I mean, if we go, I mean, I, you know, my new book's on, on networking and I, I talk about this. I think I, I'm like an introvert will go to a networking room if they absolutely have to. But usually it's, oh my God, I lost my job or, oh my gosh, you know, my just, I lost a client. I need to get more, more deals. I begrudgingly go to a networking event. Now, how do I do that? I book it in my calendar for next month to go. And then I do my best to forget about it because I, I, it's making me anxious. Then that reminder comes up on my phone. You've got to go networking, get in the car in 10 minutes. And I spend that entire 10 minutes trying to talk myself out of going to the networking room, not working out what I'm going to do when I get there. Then I arrive. And I look around the room and I'm like, oh, my friend, Adam, I'm going to go talk to my friend, Adam, because I don't want to talk to anyone else or I don't see any of my friends around. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk to anyone. So who's the closest person that looks like they got a friendly face? That guy or that girl over there. I walk up and I'm like, hi, I'm Matt. And they're like, oh, I'm Nick. I sell insurance. You know, oh my gosh, how do I get away from this person? He's about to sell me insurance. And then we leave thinking networking doesn't work. Wasn't it a self-fulfilling prophecy? How is that not about mindset? Now, for me, when I go to a networking event, firstly, I know the demographic of people that I want to be speaking to. So I only go to a networking event where they're attending. Now, when I decide I'm going to a networking event, a lot of them have meetup.com listings or Facebook listings. And I look at the photos of the people that were at the last event, or I connect with the people on LinkedIn that are going on the meetup event. And I look at their profiles and I'm like, who are my ideal clients? Who are my ideal relationships that I want to develop? And I connect with them beforehand. I say, you know, I've never been to this event. I'm really passionate about helping introverted service providers. Do you find that there's a lot of introverted service providers there? Now, of course, I know there is because I'm going to a tech event or something like that. And introversion, tech, they're almost phenomenal. They're almost the same, really, aren't they? When it comes to finance, it's also the same, right? So because of that, they're like, yeah, absolutely come along. Now, when I walk in the room, guess what? You might see me, Adam, and I've connected with you beforehand, and you're like, oh, he, I don't remember that guy. Let's go and introduce him to some people. He said it was his first time. And if it's an introvert, they're like, oh, that's that guy, Matthew, finally a familiar face. I'll talk to him. So all of a sudden, we've created this environment where I'm going to conversations. Well, I'm going to a networking room where it feels like a bunch of planned conversations, prepared meetings. More than that, I've practiced what I'm going to say. I've looked at their LinkedIn profiles to look at what articles and books they're interested in, what podcasts they've been on. You know, one senior vice president of Dell was super into Peloton. So I brought up fitness and gosh, he chatted for 20 minutes about it before I ever got to talk. So I can control everything, but not if I'm trying to put it out of my mind that I have to go. Now, when you have that much control over the environment, it's going to exhaust you much less because you're not going to feel as anxious. 
the engagement with people is still going to tire you out, but nowhere near as much because you feel in control. And that's what I like introverts to have. But if you have the mindset of, oh, I don't want to go networking, I'm just going to take it out of my mind, I don't want to think about it, well, of course you're going to fail. And that's the same thing when it comes to leadership, when it comes to organizing me, you know, being involved in a staff meeting, the same thing when it comes to sales, really anything. In truth, if you believe, I mean, Henry Ford says this, right? You know, if, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. And introverts, gosh, we think we can't without a doubt. And that's why I founded National Introverts Week, which is the third week of March. And it was funny how many introverts, you know, got excited by it and how many introverts went, oh, the last thing we need is a celebration. You know, we don't want to have a party. We don't want to be around each other. Well, I love being around people, but I don't love being around people in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. So when I go and plan, I mean, you try getting me out of a networking event. I love it. And I'm usually one of the last people to leave. However, at the end, I'm like, it's like a kid at Disneyland. When I leave, it's like I get hit by a freight train and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I need to go and recharge. Interesting. Um, I was going to say to you, actually, um, when it comes to uh, companies that want to take on, I suppose, talent, you know, looking for a job or whatever it might be, okay? And I'm a big believer of, um, you know, it's, it's to kind of look at the organization or a company and, and try to fulfill some of the um, strengths and weaknesses of, a, of an organization. Um, but from an introvert's perspective, like they might feel like, you know, from an employer's perspective, actually, they're like, oh, this person's kind of too shy and timid or whatever it is. Do you have any tips or strategies uh, for people that maybe uh, uh, are maybe kind of pitching themselves in terms of their business idea to an investor or maybe to uh, apply for a job or whatever it is? Because if they come across that shy and less, maybe less energetic or enthusiastic, and that kind of might I suppose it might affect the sales process because I mean you've written about this in the uh, in the introverts edge. What did you find in, in from from experience and, and working with some of your clients? Any any tips or strategies and advice from that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, for the people that are doing the hiring, right? Remember that that quiet, timid person might be the next Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. and because he was an introvert right so you can't automatically say they're quiet and therefore they can't succeed in truth i think you know the job that i lost that i think i would have been quite happily happy doing the rest of my life was data entry like literally that's all i did i was doing data entry and if i hadn't lost my job and found my way into sales i might have been doing that my whole life and maybe somebody from hr we go oh well, matt that quiet kid doesn't really get along with many people he's never going to be in sales We'll just keep him doing data entry. Well, mm. did you tell me that I could succeed at sales as an introvert? Did you tell me I could succeed as a networker? So as a leader, a lot of times I find that introverts behave like this is the job they want. Now, of course, there are some amazing introverted coders and writers and lots of people doing quiet profession, uh, professions. And in truth, we need those people. And if they're amazing at it and they want to be doing it, that's great. But there's a lot of people that I believe that don't start their own businesses because they don't believe that they can create a successful business because they're introverted and they can't sell, they can't network, they can't lead. So we need to confront that because we need to tell them it's possible. Also, some of our best leaders could be the introverts that don't really speak up much, but they've never been given the opportunity because they never believed that they could actually do it. So as HR organization, or sorry, as, as, as the HR department in large corporations, it is our duty to empower introverts to realize that if they want to do these tasks, they should do them and we appreciate it. But if they want to do these professions, they can and they can be exceptional at it. Now, 
for me, I, I think that when we're looking at some of these skill sets around how do we develop and how do we show the best sense of ourselves. Now, for me, one of the things that I find is introverts can interview really well if they do planning and preparation, right? Again, a lot of times I will say, now, is there anything, you know, at the end of an interview, I'll say, is there anything, do you have any questions for me? Mm. And an extrovert's been so chatty up until then that I feel like I've had no time to talk. Right. And then at the end, I'll ask that question. They've got nothing, nothing really, nothing thought out. You know what I mean? It's all in the moment. However, an introvert that's really thought about it, that actually has spent the time planning and preparing, they might say, so what does a day in the life of the person that has this job look like? I'd love to understand that a little bit more. And you're like, wow, what a thought out question. Sure, and you go into explaining it all. And now you can have a deeper conversation about the role. Now, another thing that an introvert can do is play specific note to their, their qualities. So as an introvert, you can say in a meeting, if you're applying for a job in sales, that you know one of the things that I really find as a great salesperson, our job is, is to truly listen and empathize. And what I find is so many people, they get in and they just sell, 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 and they're so chatty. So I hope you don't mind during this interview that I do the same thing, because what I'm trying to show is the qualities that I like to use in sales. Now, I, you know, I, and then I would go into a story about a previous organization that I worked with and how there were so many bulldog kind of salespeople, but I always fostered greater relationships and the genuine conversations and got deeper, well, better sales and more money out of every deal because of these foster, uh, deeper relationships. And then I'd probably make a joke at the end that I'd planned and prepared about, plus also because I dot my I's and cross my T's, another thing that me as an introvert is just so focused on, all my paperwork's actually right. You won't have to hound me on that either. And then I'm literally talking to one of the things that you know a lot of sales managers really struggle with getting their extroverts to do their paperwork, right? So again, play to your strengths. Don't try to be someone you're not. Yeah. A lot of extroverts will try and be chatty and it comes across as anxious. I mean, that's not going to work. For introverts, I talk about telling great stories. You know, I worked with a, a group of um, companies that were in, a, in Austin that were trying to get investment funding. And one of those groups were literally uh, two people, both introverted and really uncomfortable around people. And, you know, one of the things we focused on was helping them have more options so they didn't feel like they, each deal was desperation. Like one of the things I always suggest, if you're going for one interview, that's your ideal job, have five or other five or six other interviews that you do around that so you feel like you've got options it's like if, if you're a male and you've never seen a female before and there's only one it's going to be pretty important meeting right but if right. there's lots around maybe not so important right the first conversation so the focal point always is practice planning preparation making sure you have those options getting your mindset right but then leveraging the power of story is something sensational that you can do you know when you're starting a when you're talking about Funding an extrovert, you know, trying to get funding an extrovert will talk about all the things that they can do. And so will an introvert, poorly, not as well as, as an extrovert, but an introvert can get up and say, you know, we came up with this idea because I saw this little kid, Johnny, and Johnny was struggling with this. And this was what was going on with his family, showing empathy, understanding of this person's situation. And I decided we needed to create something to help Johnny have a better life. So we did, and then we realized there was actually a market for this. There are millions of people across the world, just like Johnny, that have rich parents. Well, funnily enough, now the investors are interested, right? A million Johnnies, now I can brag to my kids about how I'm saving the world, but I can also get a return on investment, which I need, or I'm not gonna be doing what I do very long, right? So again, introverts with planning and preparation can do amazing things, but again, when you stand up in front of a group of investors, of course the extrovert's gonna look like they're gonna outshine you just by nature. But in truth, if you can show you care, you understand, and you can communicate well, 
and that isn't by having a big edit you know uh, when my speaker show reel you know as i said i'm, I'm, I'm an award-winning speaker and listed as one of the top 10 sales trainers in the world but when we did our sizzle reel we tried to put uplifting high beat music it didn't work with my natural way of communicating it didn't make what i do any worse or truthfully any better mm. my content i'd like to think is great but i just had a different style and i didn't try to become anyone that i wasn't i just embraced that and as soon as i did everything took off for me and i'd suggest everyone does the same thing but don't just hope it works out as an introvert you need to plan for it to work out you know it's interesting you know, I, know, I find from experiences that introverts try to mold themselves. They try to compare themselves. Well, we picked this up earlier, try to compare themselves to other people like normal general human beings. But introverts are very good at comparing themselves, especially with extroverts, to try and mold it. And then it, and then it all goes kind of to crap because it then becomes uncomfortable because it's then not, then it's not their authentic self. Um, your latest book, the uh, the uh, the introvert's edge to networking. Um, I know that networking can be extremely uncomfortable for a lot of introverts, and we've already picked this up. Do you have um, sort of five quick tips for some of our listeners that are maybe a little bit introverted, uh, and maybe actually, Matt, we could uh, also do this for not just in live once or you know live sort of events because we kind of live in the virtual space right now, but is there also um, a knack in terms of the virtual space as well? Are there any big differences? Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, you know, I hear all the time an introvert bragging about the fact that they're no longer introverted or that they found a way to behave more extroverted or they now are a situational extrovert. You know, they can go and behave extroverted. No, they're still tired afterwards. And if they're trying to behave more extroverted, they're actually tired and then they'll go home and have that anxiety that we know. I mean, if you're an introvert, you know what it's like. You have that anxiety of, oh, did people like me? Did I portray? Why did I say that? Why did I portray that version of myself? So again, it's always about being the best version of yourself. Now, we kind of covered some of these strategies if you're looking for the, the high level five tips. The first one is don't just put it off and not think about it. Like if you go into a virtual networking event, maybe you know you go to a BX network or a BNI event, they've got some great virtual um, you know, events. You go to lunch club or runtheworld.com, again, they've got some great virtual events. You wanna, you wanna plan ahead about the event and who's attending so that again, you can research. Now, the first thing I will say is that you wanna go where your audience hangs out. Now, when I say your audience, this is a really important point, is a lot of people think that their audience is prospects, right? Or an employer, right? We need a, we need a geek, we need a geek. And they think that that's the key to networking. In truth, that is the worst group of people. Now, of course, it's great to get a customer, but that's not who I go networking with. You know, for me, the people that I really go networking with, and this is what I consider the getting out of the hamster wheel ideology okay if i go just after prospects i'm getting a single deal every time and maybe they refer me but that's feast and famine we all know that right now if i'm looking for two different types of people the firstly the way you talk to them has got to be different but the first group the, well the second group of people that i suggest are in a networking room is what i call momentum partners now when i met a, a lady called judy robinette her and i saw something in each other and i went wow what you're working on is pretty amazing and she saw the same in me so we started introducing each other to podcasts and people that we felt like could help each other. Not because we had a signed contract, not because we, you know, calculate, well, she sent me three introductions, so I'll send three introductions, but because we generally liked each other and believed in each other's missions and wanted to support each other. Mm. So as a consequence, our business has exploded. I mean, I can, you know, there is at least six figures I can attribute to 
clients that I got from introductions to podcasts and people that she introduced me to. And I've got no doubt she can do the same for me. Literally because of these relationships. This is what I call momentum partner relationships. Mm -hmm. So when I notice someone online that's been on a lot of podcasts or has quite a really diverse network, I'm not trying to get them as a client. I'm trying to look at ways that I can ways that I can support them in the hopes they do the same for me. Now, if they don't, maybe they're a taker. And I end that relationship is after two or three introductions. But for the chance of getting a momentum partner like that that explodes your business, absolutely worth the effort. Then your next group of people, and these are huge, are the, the group of champions, right? For me, champions are the kind of people that, and it's funny, I've, we were talking about Ivan before. You know, Ivan and I are great friends, and you know, he's endorsed both of my books, and he does a ton to support me, actually. But every now and then, something gets posted, and somebody from the, you know, from back home in Australia, where I grew up, you know, in, in Melbourne, Australia, where I grew up, I remember my mother was part of BNI. And one of the people that I met through her BNI chapter noticed that and posted to me, can you talk to him about the branding of BNI? You know, I really think I can do some great things with the logo. Straight into sales pitch, right? And Ivan's like, people always try and sell with me, sell to me. You know, I've never asked Ivan for anything. He does so much to support me though, because I give him great value too. You know, we've got a symbiotic relationship. And mm -hmm. truthfully, you know, part of what I give him is the fact that I continually say, which I'm gonna say now, the only reason that my parents could afford the school fees for me growing up was because my mother had uh, used the dance card feature within BNI to be able to find the clients that allowed her to make the money to pay for those. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, you know, BNI and, you know, Ivan, I do a ton of support as well because I want to. Thing. Yeah, maybe I would have made a few deals. I, I, I would have liked to think that I'm a pretty good salesperson. Maybe I could have sold him something. But in truth, I would have missed out greatly. Same with Marshall Goldsmith posted about my book. But gosh, imagine if I had tried to sell him something. Again, maybe I could have. Some people have, right? Obviously, they have. He has people. He... It's the moment, world of momentum partners and the world of champions that will change your life. But here is the thing that I would suggest. Do your research. Go Know what your niche is so you go to the right groups. Then make sure you connect with people up front, then realize whether they're prospects, momentum partners, or champions. And then before you go, plan what you're going to say. And I'll talk about that in a second. And then when you get there, make sure that you give them value first, ask them questions, offer them introductions to the point where somebody might say something like, oh my gosh, Adam, I can't believe I've been talking for 20 minutes. I haven't even asked you what you do. What is it that you do? Now, if you have at that point, if you say, oh, I sell insurance, their eyes are still going to explode and they're going to want to run away. So I know I was picking on insurance people beforehand. So let me use an example. But for me, what I suggest is you've got to get out of that commodity box. So one of the things that I, I highlight for people is that, you know, for instance, Nick uh, Jensen actually was an insurance person. He said, every time I go to a networking event, they, as soon as I say I sell insurance, they want to run away. I can see it in their eyes. And I said, okay, well, let's get you what I call a unified message. I said, that way, when you go, you don't say you sell insurance, you say something else that doesn't put you in a box where they're like, oh, I know what that is, I, 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 don't, I don't want that, or I need insurance, how much do you cost? Which is what we all experience, right? So I said, help me understand though, because I like to build this around passion. Why did you get new insurance? He goes, well, I just, you know, I just like to help people. I feel like insurance is really helpful. I'm like, sure, you want to help people. Okay, I appreciate that. But do you want to help someone that makes 250 or to, um, or 50,000. He goes, well, the 250, because they can buy more stuff. Like, no one wants to hear you want to help them because they can help you buy a Bentley. Yeah. I said, so let, let's talk about the specific um, person that makes 250. What about a person that hustles to get through 
to a C-level executive career, maybe studied at Harvard, finally starts to make $250,000 a year versus somebody that came from nothing and now makes $250,000 owning their own business with a team of people that they employ. He said, well, obviously the small business owner. I'm like, why? I mean, the guy hustled to get into Harvard. I mean, that's tough. <laughs> he said, well, I just feel like they deserve it more than business owners. I'm like, explain that to me. And he said, well, my grandfather saved up for a long time to buy a farm. He then employed a whole bunch of people. He just never prioritized himself. And then what happened was he got sick and he then had to you know, sell the farm. And he said, I just watched my grandfather literally fade away and die in the last 10 years of his life in a little apartment in front of the couch. He said, I just, I feel like the people that create these amazing businesses should never have to have such an unhappy end of their life like that. Right. I said, that's interesting, but you sell insurance. I mean, what is it? I mean, it's not like he died. What could you have done to help? And he starts telling me about how you can grab high cash flow from businesses and put it into these funds and get high return and flip it into property. I was blown away with how much he knew. I said, all right, how would it feel, Nick, to wake up every morning and share with these amazing business owners how they can do this in a way so that they don't end up in these unhappy retirements. He's like, well, that would be amazing. So now we know the niche, right? Small business owners. Now we went deeper than that because even that's too broad these days. I said, but how about we call you the hustle lifeguard? Now I always say the word lifeguard like an Australian. So it's the hustle lifeguard, right? I think that's the American way of pronouncing it. But the, um, and I say that because a couple of people have said, what was that word at the end? So it's the hustle lifeguard, but now he goes to networking events and he invests in them and he gives them value. And then, oh my gosh, Nick, I can't believe I haven't asked you what you do. He said, oh, I'm the hustle lifeguard. And people are like, oh, what exactly is that? Now they're interested for two reasons. One is they want to put you in a box and you've confused them. It's like your brain has had an aneurysm because they can't figure out what box to put you in. And you gave them so much value. So because of that, you get to open up the dialogue, explain your passion and mission, which should come next, and then move into a story of someone that you worked with that you had a similar problem to them or what you assume is their problem because you know your niche well and how you got them to an amazing result. And at the end of that, you're like, oh my gosh, I need what that person has. And then do not sell to them. Networking is not about selling. It's about setting up meetings to sell at a further time because I promise you, you'll get interrupted if you don't. Very good. Listen, that was fantastic. Great tips there, Matt. And, uh, and, and I know that we're kind of coming towards the end of our interview now, and I know that you've got to go get your haircut as well. So, um, <laughs> but listen, guys, hope that you've been enjoying uh, today's uh, podcast, because I'll tell you what, I, I've been writing notes that's gone crazy. And honestly, I think that Matt's been really hitting the nail on the head when it comes to some of the things. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about um, how people can get in contact with you. What's the best way to do so? And where can they find your book as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we provide a, a ton of content on social media. There's a whole bunch of videos, you know, because I learned how to sell watching YouTube videos. I put a ton of videos on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to buy something to start working with me. As a matter of fact, I'm always telling people that there's so much wealth of resources out there that will really help you get started. Now, for me, I mean, my publisher hates me when I say this, you don't need to buy my books either. If you go to the introvertsedge.com, you can download the first chapter of my first book, which is the Introvert's Edge to Sales. There I'll open up what I call this, you know, firstly, I'll help you overcome the belief that you can sell as an introvert. And then I'll outline the full seven steps. And if you do nothing more than grab what you currently say and put it into that, you'll realize that there's some things out of order and you'll fix that. And then you'll realize there's some things that don't fit, throw that out. You shouldn't be saying that to customers. And then you'll realize there's some gaping holes. And usually that's around asking the right questions and telling great stories.
Not stories, customer wanted this, so we gave it to them. I'm talking emotionally driven, value articulated stories, like the story of how you met your husband or wife. Those ones that have that emotional element to it that's super powerful. If you do nothing more than that, you'll double your sales in the next 60 days. And then if you go to the introvertsedge.com forward slash networking, you'll be able to download the first chapter of my new book on networking, which will allow you to, again, overcome your belief that you can sell as an introvert, and then I'll do the same thing. I'll map out the steps so that you can start to drastically improve your ability to network. Guys, if you're not already doing that right now, you need to stop what you're doing and go to the website because Matt's just basically just given you it on a plate, and now you've just got to do it. I mean, the, the hardest part is actually taking action, right? He's done all the hard work for you. I mean, well, what else can you ask for, right? Listen, I, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I hope you've had some fun. I certainly have. It's been my absolute pleasure, mate. And again, for people that are watching, again, just because you're uh, introverted doesn't mean you can't have fun in these activities. It just means, like me now, is that you're exhausted afterwards. But thank you, Adam, <laughs> so much for having me, mate. I appreciate it. All good. Listen, guys, if you want to connect with uh, Matthew as well, please do so. You can follow him on, the, on, on his social media links on the links below. You can make sure you connect with him on there. And make sure that you also take action and go to the website links that we'll, we'll put those below as well. So listen, hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.